0: Right. The reading today is Mark twelve, forty one to forty three. The widow's offering. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched a crowd put in their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Hello. Let's pray. God, who is steadfast love, help us to see your kindness as we explore your word today. Amen. Over the last um, couple of months, Nick Phoenix and I, um, we've both been in the same... Old Testament class at um, our Theological College, St. Hild. And um, one of the things that we've been considering when approaching these ancient texts in the Old Testament um, is how words and language are used um, in Biblical Hebrew in a way that's really different to the way we use it in English, in modern English. Our teacher, Dan has a really good way of inserting at least one fun fact for us to go away with into every session. And one of the nuggets the other day um, that he gave us was that while in modern English, there are about 171,000 words for us to play with in current use, in biblical Hebrew, they only have about 9,000 words. You might think, well, I did at first, um, that with a, a smaller vocabulary, the stories in the Old Testament would be easier to understand, or at least clearer, when you're getting down to the business of translation. I thought this for quite a while, and then I thought, I knew nothing at all. (laughs) Um, We're assured by Dan, though, um, that it's quite to the contrary. Each word in Hebrew, in, in the Biblical Hebrew, carries so much more density and and weight and potential. There are so many multiple meanings and nuance when we try to bring them into our modern language and experience, and maybe that's why there are so many different translations for just one word in in Biblical Hebrew. One of these uh, heavy words um, with a richness of meaning which runs through the whole of the Old Testament and then as as an idea, as a concept into the New Testament is this word hesed. If you look it up in a biblical Hebrew dictionary, or just Google it about a hundred times like I did, um, getting ready for this talk, um, it's translated in lots of different ways into modern English. Steadfast love. You find this in Psalm 136 that we we sang this morning, um, when we hear about his God's steadfast love running through all the trials and tribulations of, of, of Israel. Um, It's also translated as loyalty, commitment, loving kindness. And it seems to be a concept which describes the nature of relationship, usually between God and his people. And it sort of comes with something solid, uh, an activity, a thing. So it's, it's quite easy, like Jill was saying earlier, to think about kindness as something almost benign, kind of a warm nice feeling but but maybe quite static. But when we're thinking about Hesed kindness, it's really a verb rather than noun. Hesed happens. It's ongoing. It's grace. Something happened this week in our national life that as I've been thinking about this idea of Hesed and having and chatting with it with my about it with my husband John over the week. This thing that happened seemed to point towards what it might mean. It illuminated. I'll talk about this next, and then we'll turn to some scripture. The book of Ruth, which has Hesed running through it like a, like a golden thread, and which we're considering during Lent. And then that story of the widow's offering, the widow's mites that we've just heard read. So this thing that happened this week, I've been really surprised at how saddened I've been at, to hear about the death of Steve Wright, the Radio 2 DJ. I'm 45 and he's, he's been, even if I find him annoying sometimes, he's been the soundtrack of my whole life and my children's lives. Um, I grew up listening to his voice on the bus home from school and on the drive home from work as an adult. I, I found myself on Tuesday With the radio one sometimes just bursting into tears. I was moved by testimonies from his colleagues and listeners calling in affirming his gift of connecting with people of his humility and kindness and that word was used a lot I noticed of his desire to do a good job and to encourage others people had really personal stories to tell about their encounters with him or about how a song he played once had a real special meaning to them. One story given by one of his colleagues revealed that when he learned that his uh, female counterparts in the industry were being paid substantially less than him, he took a voluntary pay cut um, to become on an even footing with them. And he might have a view Um, I know I do, about the ethics of how much people in in TV and radio are paid anyway, but bear with me here. Um, I was struck by two things about this news. First, I never knew that, and I listen to the radio a lot. Um, He didn't tell everybody about this pay cut he took. There was no virtue signalling for Steve. Second... As the day unfolded, Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, in the telling of that story in public, his colleague gave way, both on the radio and in newspapers, and in my conversations with others over the last few days, to further storytelling, not just about Steve Wright's character, but of other moments of real human connection made by radio and other people of compassion and kindness and decency, And then I've become aware of further conversations about how people live with grief and sudden unexpected death, and where to find support, and where there are communities to help and process. There was that domino effect of grace, one pointing to a hidden act of decency leading to spaces where other kindnesses are revealed and heard, inspired and built on. I wonder if there is something of that concept of hesed as a a doing of grace there for us to think about. Let's turn to um, Ruth, bearing this domino effect um, of an act of kindness, hesed, in mind. A quick reminder of the story. The book of Ruth tells the story of three people. Naomi a widow from Bethlehem in Judah, Ruth, her daughter-in-law from Moab, and Boaz, a gentleman farmer from Bethlehem. Ruth, in a supreme act of devotion, follows Naomi home from Moab following the death of Naomi's sons, one of whom Ruth was married to, and of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. Once back in Bethlehem, Ruth meets Boaz, Naomi's close relative. Boaz understands that Ruth, although a foreigner from a despised nation, Moab, is a woman of worth. And through a scheme of Naomi to send Ruth to meet Boaz in secret and through the cleverness of Boaz, who claims Ruth before the city elders, Boaz and Ruth marry and they have a child, Obed, thus ensuring the continuation of the Davidic line that eventually leads to the birth of Jesus. We meet Ruth again in the genealogy of Christ at the beginning of Matthew's um, Gospel. Hesed, kindness, as a word and a, an idea, a concept, runs all the way through the book of Ruth. First, Naomi prays that God would deal hesed kindness to Ruth and Orpah, Orpah's Ruth's sister-in-law, whose husband, Naomi's other son, has also died. Ruth shows abiding loyalty, kindness to Naomi in her decision to accompany her back to Bethlehem. She didn't need to do that. She could have stayed, gone back home. Boaz displays deep kindness and regard for Ruth, allowing her to glean in his fields and share bread with him, and he protects her from assault. And eventually, the whole community of Bethlehem make room for Ruth and Naomi, a foreigner and a widow, and subsequently, that child Obed, who's the great-great-grandfather of David. Multiple kindnesses build up in the story, transcending division, one kindness, kindness seems to inspire and feed into another. One of the really interesting things about this story that moves from the emptiness of famine and grief to the fullness of life and um, through moves of kindness and loyalty is the way that we, the readers or the listeners, are made aware of hesed or kindness, going on. Hesed, kindness, is never announced by the person or people doing it. So Ruth never says, I'm showing you steadfast loyalty here, Naomi. And Boaz never says, I've been really good to you here, Ruth. Our attention is always drawn to the hesed by others pointing to it. Boaz points out how he's heard about what Ruth has done in her loyalty to Naomi and his amazement of it. And Ruth expresses her wonder at how gener- generous Boaz has been to her, doing more than he needed to provide for her and Naomi. And by the end of the story, the women of Bethlehem articulate how much Ruth loves Naomi, more than seven sons. The three characters, or four if you include those women of Bethlehem, the community, they receive Hesse from others and then they seem to pass it on. So hesed, kindness, as a verb, happens and is pointed to throughout the story. It drives it, it enriches it, it brings it to fullness. It's a verb rather than a noun. And all in this, a story where the character of God is at first glance surprisingly absent, unlike lots of the other stories in the Old Testament where... God will step in as a character and he'll talk with or over people. God himself is present though in the book of Ruth. He is revealed in the activity of Hesed. He is Hesed, loving kindness, working through and with the main characters in the story. And along the way, ordinary people point God out to us, there is love, there is kindness, there is loyalty, right under our noses, and then it's passed on. There are stories in the Gospels, like the um, widow's offering that we heard Mark read today, where something like this happens too. And the person pointing out what's going on is Jesus. In the story today, Jesus is in the temple teaching and observing the comings and goings of the place and he's sitting opposite the treasury. Mark tells us that lots of rich people put money in the treasury and then a poor widow comes along and she puts in the equivalent of 2p, which we find out then is all she has to live on. This widow marginal and precarious by her gender and status, has given everything she has freely and given more than we would expect her to. Her activity is characteristic of Hesed love, a tangible act of grace given freely without expectation of recognition, going above and beyond what's expected of her. In and of itself, two pennies are not going to make any difference to the coffers in the temple. So, why does Jesus make a point of calling the disciples' attention to what the widow's done? She's doing hesed. Like the God of kindness and generosity in the Old Testament, perhaps in pointing to her extraordinary selfless generosity, Jesus is offering a glimpse for the disciples, and by extension us, of the character of God himself. What's the ripple effect of Jesus pointing out the widow's activity? Now that the disciples have had it pointed out to them, what the widow's done, out of her poverty, given all that she has, and are carrying that message in their hearts and minds, how will they how will we respond in our activities and relationship building to come? Might those disciples, might we, be more receptive to grace, more willing to both give fully of ourselves but also receive grace and pass it on from those we might not expect to to do so from? Who would imagine receiving a grace, being inspired by a poor, invisible, ordinary person, the lowest of the low. I wonder what Jesus was really pointing to when he calls our attention to that widow's activity, her whole self-giving. Jesus, of course, is God's Hesed gift to us. Jesus, he gave his whole life willingly, and in the most degrading public way, for us. He is the face of God's kindness. And in his resurrection, we are reassured that Hesed loving kindness, overcomes all of that degradation and pain and grief. With Jesus showing us the way, holding our hand, we are invited to become part of the ripple effect of God's love, always part of a bigger picture that we can't see fully, but we know that God can. His steadfast love, enduring forever, holding us and leading us into the fullness of life. Because God is hesed, he is loving kindness, and Jesus is the ultimate expression of that hesed. And where we see hesed going on, perhaps we're seeing something of the face of God. And who wouldn't want to be caught up in that? And why wouldn't we want to share it? I'm just going to finish, um, and this is with Jill's and Claire Law's permission, um, with a picture, a a gift really, that I had the privilege of witnessing last week when I came to St Bart's for the first time. Um, A picture that speaks... Has said through and through. I was invited to help with the distribution of um, Holy Communion, and I joined Jill here at the front with the cup of wine while she distributed the bread and uh, blessings and just general advice. <laughs> just before communion, Claire and Nick had needed to leave the service having received some upsetting news. When we finished sharing communion at the front, Jill said to me, right, let's take Claire and Nick, out. let's take this to Claire and Nick outside. A free decision made out of love above and beyond what you'd expect. So off I trot after Jill holding the bread, I'm through the flappy doors, <laughs> me with this cup of wine, trying not to spill it. And we find Claire and Nick in the garden just outside. We offered them the bread and the wine, through which we remember the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, the face of God's kindness to them. And they accepted. Out there in the garden, in a moment of pain, in a little corner of Sheffield, with the trams passing by and the dog walkers, Um, Aldi shoppers doing their usual Sunday thing, all four of us, in a most unexpected and mysterious way, caught up in the giving and receiving of the domino effect of God's lavish, unconditional and generous kindness and grace. Thank God for that. Amen.